0: you found the everything apostolic podcast delight your soul feed your spirit and sharpen your mind with anointed teaching and discussion on subjects such as faith healing miracles end time prophecy holiness and everything that apostolics love and now here's your host pastor author blogger and teacher charles rodas
1: if you haven't heard about my book on fasting it is titled fasting secrets revealed this is brother rotis Uh, here are a few of many exciting testimonies about my book Uh, w garden says i've read numerous books on fasting and this one is probably the best stephanie b writes excellent read and i've read A lot of books on fasting. It was fresh content that really is inspiring. F.C. Warren writes, The last six or seven months, I've read probably eight or nine books on fasting. This book is probably one of my favorites on the subject because I feel a spirit of faith and revelation at work in this book. Simple but powerful. This book will ignite a fire in you for fasting. And one more uh, by Vivian F. I purchased this book on fasting, and it's the best book I've ever read on the subject. Now, Fasting Secrets Revealed was ranked number one in Amazon Bible study. Fasting Secrets Revealed is was featured in IBC Perspectives magazine. And fasting Secrets Revealed is one of the most mentioned books in Apostolic Review in 2020. Now, you can get Fasting Secrets review, uh, Revealed on Amazon or my website. Save a little money on my website, which is www.charlesarotis.com. Well, praise the Lord. This is Charles Rodus. Podcast number one, what is apostolic everything? What is it? That's what we're going to talk about to establish a foundation here over the weeks. Coming time, we're going to be talking about what? (laughs) Apostolic everything, everything apostolic, anything, everything that pertains to being apostolic. And that is 66 books of the Bible, almost 900,000 words in the Bible. It's going to be a fun ride. I hope you will join us, like, subscribe, share. We would appreciate that. But let's talk about this first broadcast. Let's establish what is apostolic. Now, some years ago, I'm going back about 15, 16, 17 years ago, <clears throat> uh, I got a Christian magazine in the mail. I never saw the magazine. Now, get it, I've had the Holy Ghost and been in the Apostolic Church since 1980. I was 17 years old. And uh and so, you know, that's that's a while, isn't it, since 1980. I've been preaching the gospel the apostolic message since 1985. But when I got this this Christian magazine, I don't know how I got it, it came to me. Somebody somewhere somehow got my name and sent me a copy. It was interesting, um, but it had lots of pictures of apostolic, quote-unquote apostolic people, uh, men and women, and... I I guess I was naive at the point at that point. I, I I didn't realize what had already been in place no doubt for 2000 years and all of my apostolic christian life prior to this I just didn't realize the fact was and is that people call themselves apostolic and they can believe absolutely anything and live anything, or live nothing at all. (laughs) And uh, I was quite amazed, uh, maybe a little ticked off, that these people that were calling themselves apostolic, they were not apostolic. There's two major things that makes an individual and a church or an organization apostolic. Two main things. Let's talk about the first thing. And one without the other is not much good. But number one, the first thing that makes a person apostolic is obedience to the new birth message. John 3, 5, Jesus said, except a man be born of water and of the spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom. So you've got to be born of the water and spirit. Peter went on to say in Acts 2.38. Then Peter said unto them, Repent and be baptized, every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ, for the remission of sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. So what makes up the first part of being apostolic? Well, you've got to be born again, and there's only one way to be born again. It's not believing on the Lord Jesus Christ. Within itself, it's not accepting the Lord as your personal savior, quote unquote, Uh, but you've got to literally be born again. How has that happened? First of all, before a person can be born again, he's got to repent of his sins. Repentance is vital. It's imperative. It's important. It's needful. You can't go to heaven without, of course, you cannot be born again without repenting of your sins. Turning away from sins, being sorry for your sins, having remorse over your sins, doing it about face, walking away from sin. So those those are terms that we use and correct terms that tell us about repentance. That's what repentance is. But repentance by itself does not save a person, but it allows a person to be born again because a person cannot be born again without first repenting of his sin. And repentance is not the new birth. Repentance breaks down that middle wall of partition between God and the sinner. Yes, I said that word, that, that word that starts with an S, that cuss word that so many quote-unquote Christians will not use today, sinner. Sinner, right? A person without God, a person that's not been born again is a sinner. But then once he repents of his sin, he must be born again of the water and spirit. How does that happen? He has to be immersed, immersed, submerged in water. He has to go down from toe to the last hair on his head. He must be immersed, submerged, dunked completely under the water with the name of Jesus being invoked without the titles so many today, so many churches today. I had uh, <clears throat> a pastor many years ago. I was doing Bible study with him on this subject, and he was a Trinitarian Pentecost. He had the Holy Ghost, but he was not baptized correctly. And I gave him lots of scriptures, and he was listening, and he was very intrigued and hungry. And he said to me, Brother Rodis." what would you think? Now, he wasn't admitting it to himself. He wasn't saying this was him. But I knew. I knew. <laughs> I, I knew what was going on. He didn't know that I knew what was going on. <clears throat> but he said, what would you think if somebody was baptized in the name of Jesus, Father, Son, Holy Ghost? I said, Brother McFarland, I said, he needs to be rebaptized." I said, because we have no biblical example for invoking the titles, Father, Son, Holy Ghost, No one in the Bible was baptized ever in the Bible using those words, Father, Son, Holy Ghost. Nobody. He needs to be baptized exclusively in the name of Jesus, the Lord Jesus, or Jesus Christ, as the Bible teaches. But that name, Jesus, has to be in the baptism with no titles of Father, Son, Holy Ghost. And you know what? I spent two days with that man and about five hours of Bible study teaching him the new birth. Now, he pastored about 100 people. I was uh, planting a new church at that time in Calumet City, Illinois. I was in the early stages, and I happened to meet him, and we shared information and shared tracks because he was, I guess, doing a little track work. I was doing a little track work, and I didn't tell him I was apostolic. I kind of tricked him. I didn't lie to him, but I tricked him. I just told him I was Pentecostal as well, which I am and was. This was in the 90s, 1990s. So two days, uh, we did two days of that Bible study, and about, mm, that was during the week, and that next Saturday, we made an appointment, and he came to my little church, that little mission work that we were doing, and he came, and he snuck over there, didn't even tell his wife, because she was a preacher, and he didn't want to deal with it just yet. He wanted to get it right with God. He brought his bag of clothes, and we got the pool folded up. And, uh, he was a tall black man. I'm six foot was six foot two. I've dropped an inch, but he was an inch or two taller than me. And I baptized that brother in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ for the, for the remission of his sins on that Saturday night, praise the Lord. And then that, that, uh, he said, I'm going to be talking to my church. I'm going to be teaching them. I'll be, you know, Uh, explaining things to them, and he did. And he called me uh, two or three weeks later and said, listen, I've got a group that wants to be baptized in Jesus' name. He brought them over to our congregation, our church, again, on a Saturday night. I don't know the number. We didn't get a count. Uh, Didn't have cell phones with cameras at that time, but there might have been 20 or 25 people that night. He baptized in my pool at our Assembly in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, he already had the Holy Ghost. He baptized his son that night. His his son was about 20 years old, maybe. Baptized many others. Uh, His wife was not baptized. Uh, I guess uh, convincing her was uh, different, different, difficult, problematic. I'm not sure exactly how he approached it. But that's, of course, between him and the Lord. Uh, But we had a beautiful time. But being baptized in the name of Jesus Christ is part of being apostolic. It's not an option. It's it's not an option at all. You know, Acts 2.38. You read that. I quoted that. Acts 8.16. Acts 10.48. Acts 19.5. Acts 22.16. The apostle Paul himself was baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. Uh, Acts 19.5. I think I said that. Then, you know, you go to Colossians 2.12 and 1 Peter 3.21 and uh, Romans 6 and first few verses there in Romans 6. Colossians 3.17, Acts 4.12, we've got all these verses that teach us about baptism in Jesus' name. Now, you're listening to this, you're probably apostolic, so you know all these things or know of some of these things, familiar with it at least, but... Not only must we be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ, but a person must be filled with the Holy Ghost, speaking with tongues, with the evidence of speaking with tongues. If a person did not speak with tongues as the Spirit of God gives him the utterance, he has not received the Holy Ghost, period, exclamation mark. Okay, the only initial evidence of receiving the Holy Ghost is speaking with tongues. If a person has not believed that, has not practiced that, received that, he is not apostolic. If he's not repentant of his sins, he's not apostolic. If he's not been baptized in Jesus' name, not titles, Jesus' name, he's not apostolic. If he's not been filled with the Holy Ghost, evidenced by speaking with tongues, he's not apostolic. That is the that is the doctrinal foundation of the new birth. Person can't be saved without that. Person cannot be saved without that. Praise God. Now what's next? There's one more thing that is vital. And there's many things we could talk about. But without these two things, you're not apostolic. So we establish number one is the new birth, then number two is holiness. A lot of people have the Acts 238 message and they believe in one God. Let's include in that Acts 238 Jesus' name, new birth message, the oneness of God. Because if you don't believe that God is one, Hero Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord, Deuteronomy 6.4, that's part of it. That's that goes all goes together. Should have said that earlier, but I didn't. But I'll say it now. God is not three persons. But God is one. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. God manifest in the flesh. Okay? You know where I'm going. You're apostolic. That's what you believe. At least you should believe that. That Jesus is God manifest in the flesh. First Timothy 3.16. And so tying all that in together with the new birth. And then we've got the subject of holiness. The Apostle Paul said, follow peace with all men and holiness without which no man shall see the Lord. The Old Testament people were a holy people. Oh, yes, they were from Genesis through Malachi. they were a holy people. God demanded it. God required it, and you know what holiness did not die out with the church uh when the temple was veil of the temple was rent in twain, and Jesus gave up the ghost. Holiness did not end. Holy living was not abolished, and what God required for holiness in the Old Testament, separation from the world, separation to God, sanctification. Uh, looking different, acting different, dressing different, being different in all manner of speech and lifestyle. Listen, as holiness people, there's a lot of places we don't go. There's a lot of language we don't use. There's a lot of things we don't listen to and look at. Okay, because we are holiness. Okay, holiness is not what you or I decide what it is. But it is outlined in the scripture. Holiness is outlined in the scripture. Somebody once said, well, they were talking to somebody else online and I read it. Well, the girl, young lady, whatever it was. Well, we just do these things. There's really no Bible for them. That's just things we practice. She was referring to holiness standards. I don't know what their holiness standards were in her church. I didn't even know who it was. But the the statement was wrong, completely, completely wrong, because we do have documentation. It's 66 books of holiness teaching. Holiness did not change. Godliness did not change on the day Jesus died. It did not change when the veil was rent in two. Holiness is still holiness. It's still separation. It's still righteous living it's still hating sin and loving righteousness. And I'm not going to go into do's and don'ts here today. That's not what I'm doing. But the fact is these that call themselves holiness and they have Acts 2.38 and the men look like the women and the women look like men and, and, and there's no separation from the world. They're not, they're not apostolic. They may have been born again, but it's like a baby that's still in its new birth blood. It's like a baby that's still in that scum. When my kids were born, I saw them before they were cleaned up. And some of these quote unquote apostolic people are just like that. They have that new birth blood all over them. And they need to be washed with the washing of water by the word. They need to be cleansed. They need to lay aside weights and sins. They need to be washed. Amen from that initial birth debris praise god Whole, that's what holiness is it's laying aside every weight and the sin that does so easily be set as well that's today's today's uh dialog or monologue i guess i should say uh what we're talking about here on everything apostolic so I just want to lay this foundation. If you don't have Acts 2.38 exclusive, as I explained it, and you're not living a holy life, I encourage you to take hold of it with all of your heart, mind, soul, and strength, because that is being apostolic, and it is what God requires. What does apostolic mean? Well, we are, we are part of that original church founded in Acts chapter 2. We are that same church, Acts 28. The last word there is not amen. The book of Acts did not end with an amen. We are still in the book of Acts. Uh, God is the one recording the chapters. Oh, We're probably in millions of chapters by now since that 2,000 years uh, has passed since the initial outpouring of the Holy Ghost in Acts chapter 2. But we are everything apostolic. And that's what we're going to be talking about on these broadcasts. And um, so if that interests you, I sure would love if you would join us and like us, share us and be part of this new and growing podcast. Well, my name is Charles Rodas. Again, I've had the Holy Ghost since 1980, called to preach. I accepted that calling in 1985. Uh, Of course, I was called from my mother's womb, as we know. That's how that works. And have pastored, planted churches, uh, evangelized, assisted, and had all kinds of roles in the church and under a great pastor. And we are so, so excited about what God is doing. So anyway, share this. I appreciate it if you would. And help us grow in Jesus' name. Until next time, everything apostolic to you. Blessings.
0: Thank you for listening to the Everything Apostolic Podcast. Don't forget to subscribe to this podcast and leave a rating and review for it as it provides tremendous feedback to this ministry. Don't forget, more resources are available at www.charlesarodus.com. There you will find Pastor Rodus's books and also the newsletter and a free gift when you subscribe to the newsletter. Until next time, be blessed in Jesus' name.